Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. You know our trusted partner TireRack.com for their fast, free shipping free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Yokohama Avid Ascend LX. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. What is going on? It's your boy, or just some dude you listen to that records takes into a mic uh, for a living, named John Middlecoff. That's me. Three and Out Podcast brought to you by Colin Coward and his podcast network. We're live slash recording. It is Monday after the Super Bowl, which is a holiday for you know sports fans uh, really around the country. You just actually have to go to work. Uh, but, you know, I, I'd say what a game. I don't know if it's what a game, but it was the last game of the season. I, I've been saying for a while, enjoy it because it's going to end. And now it's over. And this is really the last game we get to talk about for, for a long, long time. Luckily, we got the draft. We got, you know, free agency is actually not far away. The combine got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. But the actual games, you know, are over for a pretty long period of time now. Uh, so I, I hope you enjoyed yesterday. I, I know 13 to three and you know, zero, zero for a long period of time, not ideal, but we're going to dive into the coaching matchup, which to me was the headline of the game. Uh, and then some stuff on the Brady and just that group, you know, from Gronk to Edelman to McCourty, just how special that core is. Uh, then, you know, Jared Goff, man, I, I mean, it kind of shit the bed in the biggest game of his life, was was god-awful, was terrible. And just, is he a franchise quarterback? Have some thoughts on that. And then some of their limitations as a team, when your best player on, you know, Aaron Donald's their best player, when your best offensive player is your running back, you can get yourself in some sticky situations. But to me, the headline of the game, by far, like, I Edelman had to win the MVP. You have 10 catches. 
He was just kicking ass all day long, taking Nickel Roby just to the woodshed. But th- this was the Bill Belichick game. I mean, 13-3, to stifled arguably one or two offense, you know, depending on how you look at it, in the National Football League. Belichick took Sean McVay to the absolute woodshed. And should we be that shocked? I, I say all the time that where I went to college, Cal Poly, the motto of the university is learn by doing. And when you say learn by doing, and it, it translates for me, the more I do something, the better you get at it. You know, Malcolm Gladwell talked about 10,000 hours forever. You can say and make fun of it all you want, but I think we all agree, the longer you do something, especially something difficult, the better you get at it, right? Iron sharpens iron. So the more football games you coach, if you're a good coach, you're going to be better in your 20 than you were in your 10. Well, the thing about yesterday is Bill Belichick has been in the National Football League since 1975. The other coach that really shined yesterday, Wade Phillips. First job in the NFL, 1976. For example, I have been working in or around the NFL for almost 10 years now. I was born in 84. In 1984, Belichick had been in the league nine years before I even popped out of my mother. So, Sean, and I'm older than Sean McVay, I think by, he just turned 33, so by a year, by a year and a half. Sean McVay has been, since he's been the Rams coach, it's the only time, I, I, he made the playoffs once with the Redskins, but he's been in the playoffs three different times in his life. Obviously, he won some games this year for the first time in his career. Think how many games before Belichick got the head coaching job of the Cleveland Browns, he had been coaching for the New York Giants on one of the great kind of mini dynasties and with arguably a top five or six head coach ever, what he'd been learning from in Parcells with LT, coaching defense against Walsh, playing in Super Bowls. Think about the experience before Bill Belichick just got a head coaching job and then he even made the playoffs with the Browns. But just think before he ever became the coach of the Patriots, how much he had learned, how much he had seen, how many different situations from the best player he ever coached was doing crack. <laughs> you know, we make fun of like that Stephen A. mean that's talking about Lamar Odom. <laughs> what do you think LT was doing? So just being around that, handling going against Walsh, going against Gibbs, you know, playing those Bills teams. He's seen so much. This is before he ever put on a Patriot polo as the head coach. And then before yesterday's game, he had coached before yesterday 41 playoff games, including Super Bowls, as the head coach. McVay, since he's been the Rams guy, he played in one last year. This year he played in three. That's four. And as the coordinator, he had coached one with the Redskins. Total five playoffs in his life. So just the experience... It should have been an ass-kicking. Belichick versus McVay. It should not have been close. It should have been a massive mismatch. <laughs> you know, I I was, I was woke up, maybe it was Thursday, some super big investor on CNBC. I usually turn it on if I'm up early, like 6 in the morning or 7, because there's no, Colin doesn't come on till 9 my time, and sometimes I, I can only handle so much debate shows, and there's nothing good on the morning, so I throw on CNBC. You know, just try to get the mind going. And this dude had a little stock tip. He's like, you know, I just purchased a bunch of Avon. I think it's Avion or Avon or what? It's a makeup company, so I, I've never used it. But it's really popular. The stock was really cheap. So you know what? I'm like, I'll buy $1,000 worth of stock. I'm not Warren Buffett. And, it, you know, it's probably my, I don't know, 
200th trade of my life? <laughs> I, I, you, you wouldn't put me against a guy at Wells Fargo. Now, I'm not comparing myself, trying to parallel that to McVeigh versus Belichick, but like he's in the infancy of his career. The infancy of his career. He just happened to start as a head coach way earlier. But his experiences, his knowledge, he's never had a losing season. Like eventually he's going to have a losing season. Belichick had a couple. You learn from that. You become better at that. He's never really had to replace coaches. And, you know, one day Wade Phillips, who's seven years old, which is by far the most vital guy on his staff, is going to retire. Who does he replace him with? So I, I like McVay. I think he's a star. Did he have a great game yesterday? No. Did his quarterback let him down yesterday? Big time. Was he at somewhat of a disadvantage without his star running back, which we really don't know what's going on? For sure. But even if all those things were 100%, Gurley's health, Goff was playing well. Belichick still should have beat him. Why? Because he's, he's, he's been in this league for so long, and he's the best to ever do it. You know? Even, it just, I, I think we made, looking back, and I did it, I'm just as guilty as anyone else. I'm like, God, I think McVay's got a chance. No, he shouldn't have had a chance. Belichick changed his entire defense. You know, they just ran zone. They've been a man team all year. He can do that. He changes his defense and offense all the time. You never know what they're going to do. You knew exactly what McVay was going to do. It was just whether they were going to execute it. You have no clue what the Patriots are going to do. They're going to go five wide. They're going to go three running backs. They're going to bring in three tight ends. Uh, you know, if he could, he'd bring in six tight ends. He doesn't care. And in fairness, those two, especially him and Brady, and even Hightower and McCourty, they've been together so long that they know how to just switch things on the fly. Goff and McVay have been together for like 24 months. And really, you know, the first three or four months of McVay's career, you're not even allowed to talk to the players till OTA starts, so they haven't even been together that long. You know, it's experience still really matters. And I, I love making fun of millennials and talking about young, bright people. And listen, I, I'm a little biased. I'm a millennial. But, but there's a reason older people that are good at their job usually got a lot better at their job as years goes. You know, you can be, you know, it's, this isn't Silicon Valley. The NFL, you don't just get rich, at, you know, at the snap of a finger. He didn't just create, you know, Twitter, Sean McVay. He's, bas- he's basically just been running an offense that's been operating forever. Mike Shanahan was running it 20 years ago with success with John Elway. Kyle Shanahan's been doing it now for the last, like, 10. <laughs> Kubiak did it forever. Like, what he's, he's not reinventing anything. They've just been doing it really well. And props to McVay. You get credit for coaching. But yesterday was just a clinic on, with coaching, and with a lot of high-level jobs, experience is and will always matter, especially in huge situations that are pressure-packed that you could feel it, whether that's negotiating your first $100 million deal if you're a real estate company, you know, whether it's coaching your first Super Bowl, whatever it is, if you're up against a guy that's done it 50 times more than you, you are at a huge disadvantage. And I think that really came to light last night. When you think of last year, when Belichick lost to Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson was, you know, a first-time coach. You know, technically it was a second-year coaching. But... He played in the league for 14 years, played for Holmgren, played for Andy, then coached for Andy for 10. You know, think about the scenarios that he had seen. He's just been in the league a lot longer. And it turns out, you know, certain, uh, you know, backup quarterbacks are just kind of a natural at it. Gary Kubiak was. Now, Doug Peterson's on the high end of that, but he has a lot of experience. He's not your typical kind of quote-unquote younger coach. been around the NFL for like 25 years. McVay is, is a baby. 
And I, I think eventually, one day, he'll get over the hump, whether that's next year, whether that's in five or ten years. He's a big-time coach. But he's going to have to adapt, as smart guys always do in this league. Belichick's been adapting for like 20 years. It just, it really was crazy, and I, I didn't expect it, so I'm not saying I'm Nostradamus here. I, I didn't see this coming. But it's crazy once it happens, you realize, God, th- this was just not a fair fight from the jump. W- one thing, as analytics has really blown up in sports, and I, I, I would imagine most of you that work in the corporate world ha- have felt this forever, numbers and just the spreadsheet of how much you're making or how much you're losing, and I've seen this in football, how fast a guy runs or how high a guy jumps or even how productive a guy is, doesn't always quantify what's going on in a building, how much guys like each other, you know, what the team chemistry is. And I'm not just talking sports. You know, I worked in a radio station. It's clear when you have a good thing going or when you have a bad thing going of just kind of team chemistry. And when I say team, I I just mean employees. Because I I, I do think, I've been at places where people like each other and I've worked at places where people don't like each other. And there is a, a, to me, if people do like each other and are good, your upside for production is higher. Now, at the end of the day, you know, and I think the corporate world would tell you this, you either get the job done or you don't. You either make money, you know, I have friends that work in construction. You you either turn a profit on a project or you don't. But I I do think there are some businesses, and, and I can speak for the media is an example. If you're doing a TV show or a radio show, like you feel chemistry. You know, you definitely see it with sports. Like one thing, I've had a front row seat for the Warriors these last five years. Draymond Clay and Steph really like each other. And Iguodala. Like they're a tight group. Obviously, they're super talented, which means the most. But their cohesion, they like playing with each other. They like each other personally. That's one thing you'd say about LeBron. Like, nah, sometimes he doesn't always love his teammate. When you look at this Patriot run, obviously it starts with Brady. But to me, there's a core group. There's Gronk and Edelman. I mean, I I would say Brady's two favorite teammates, I don't know how you'd quantify this, but Gronk and Edelman would be in, you know, uh, would be in competition for the number one favorite teammate. They both would probably be top three guys ever. And then when you just look at the group, McCourty and Dante Hightower, that now they combine, they all have three championships each. What's crazy is you think about Brady, think about the six, and you're still talking about the Rodney Harrisons, you know, the Vrabels, the Brewskis. This new core of guys, Edelman, Gronk, McCordy, and Hightower, like their, their ability to play with each other. Now, again, their just baseline of talent is really high, right? Gronk's arguably the greatest tight end ever. McCordy's been just an invaluable chess piece for Belichick in his defensive backfield. Hightower has just been an awesome level. I don't even know really what position he plays. He's like a pass rusher hybrid linebacker that Belichick uses really well. And then Edelman, arguments on social media. Uh, I'm torn a little bit. I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, but he's just a Hall of... He's a champion. That's how I describe him. And that core, that cohesion, you know, you read cheesy business books and they always tell you, you know, it's not about the buildings. It's about the people in the buildings. Well, in sports, like, you need LeBron or Steph, right? You need Brady or Rodgers, you know? You need Ray Lewis. (laughs) You need dudes. But once you have the dudes, how they come together matters. And I I saw a good, it kind of went viral this weekend, of Ed Reed talking about the 2012 team when they won the Super Bowl. He's like, everything matters. 
I, I told guys, like, you get in after a game and you cut your tape off. Are you going to be lazy and just throw it on the ground? He's like, the trash is right there. Just throw it away. You know, and, and there's a respect level when everyone's high level. And that's why I think that Raven team, for example, in 2012, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, just so many high-level guys, obviously Ray Lewis, that it's easy to see that cohesion and chemistry, as we become more and more numbers-driven in sports, will always matter the most in football. And I think you saw last night, or yesterday, or you know, I guess if you're listening to this on Tuesday, it's a couple days old now, the Patriots did not play well. They, they were not playing that well. But their championship players are just going to come through. And their cohesion with each other. They've played with each other for so long now. Edelman has been catching Brady balls now for 10 years. Gronk's been catching balls from Brady for nine. I know some of you are going to laugh. It sounds kind of funny. Hightower's been making plays now in McCourty for years at the highest level. They've won at the highest level consistently. Like It's one of the truly great... I know around here, you know, if you're obviously if you're Jerry Rice or Ronnie Lott, but there are other guys that walk around here that are made men in the Bay Area, like Brent Jones. He just walks around like a champion, you know. Just damn, there's Roger Craig, you know. Just certain guys that, you know, obviously Gronk and Brady are by far the most famous. Edelman's probably not going to make the Hall of Fame, but he does have an MVP. Like Hightower and McCourty, I I don't think McCourty's going to make the Hall of Fame, but he's he's a damn good player. That's an incredible core. Of super smart, super tough, super talented. Like, that's the ultimate. And the irony, it's very football, right? The quarterback's six-round pick. The Super Bowl MVP, the slot receiver, is a seventh-round pick, who was a quarterback. The tight end was a second-round pick. Now he was a first-round talent, but he had a bad back. And he dealt with injuries his whole career. And the other two defensive guys are first-round picks. But it's just, it's it's never like seven first-rounders. It's always like, you sprinkle in, look at Seattle's core all those years. Had a third rounder, a fifth rounder, a third rounder, a couple first rounders. It's just always a mix. And when you find the perfect mix, now it starts with Tom and Bill, but they they couldn't do this alone. Football is the ultimate team game, and Gronk and Edelman kicked ass yesterday. Hightower was everywhere. Uh, McCourty's just a champion. Hell, his brother might have made the play of the game. Just a hat tip to that core. I as a football fan, and that's what I am first, just a fan of the game. My, my fan of individual teams have kind of left me. I just root for people. You know, like Matt Nagy wins the coach of the year. I was fired up. Uh, when Coach Reed wins games, I get excited. You know, I, Derek Carr blocked me on Twitter, but I, I root for him to do well. Uh, I, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed everything about this Patriot team. If you don't like them, I, I, I guess, if you're a Jets fan or whatever, I get it. But if, if you can't respect them, I have a hard time respecting some of your opinion about football. Because if you can just take a step back, remove a little emotion, you go, Jesus, this is one of the great cores we've ever seen. Won three Super Bowls, they lost another. I mean, they've been incredible. And the plays they make when it matters most is just, it's borderline unprecedented. I just I just don't think we're ever going to see it again. Edelman, McCourty, Hightower, these guys got three Super Bowls. Three! Man, what just championship-level culture. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. 
So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well... I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home, and then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. One thing I think you have to learn early in any professional setting 
is what your strengths and weaknesses are. And, you know, in a relationship, like a personal relationship, you know, I'm not married, but I've dated. Uh, obviously, when you grow up, you know, and you deal with your parents, like, you, 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 sometimes you got to work on your weaknesses. You know, it's just not possible. You know, certain things you might just have to adapt a little bit for, you know, a girlfriend or a wife or even your parents. Uh, but in business, I'm a big believer in figure out what you do well and go all in it. And whatever you do not well, don't even worry about it. You know, just circumvent it. Pay someone else to do it. Don't waste any time on it. You know, I, I'm, I've done, figured out in from a media setting, a couple things that I'm really good at. And a couple things that are just good for my career. And I, I've just gone all in. And I, I've kind of hung my hat on it since I got into it. One, I, I realized right away... Just, I'm a pretty, you know, not afraid to say anything. And I've been like that from the jump. And I realize, at the end of the day, who gives a shit? If I believe it, I'm going to say it. And I think people that have listened to me for a while just know I'll say whatever. Like, I'm going to believe it when I say it, but I'm not going to be afraid to say it. And that's probably the one thing that I really hang my hat on. I'm just not afraid to go all in on something. Even if I know people, you know? And I think a lot of people in this business, and I think you see it with a lot of former players is they're terrified to piss anyone off. And if you're worried about that, in this job, Johnny Miller just retired, the longtime you know, broadcaster in golf, and he always hung his hat on like he'd crush players. But he'd crush them like after they hit a bad shot. you know, And he doesn't go out of his way to do it. And you can say negativity sells or whatever, but I think people, and they always have, but definitely now more than ever, in my business, appreciate honesty. you know, Because you're all thinking it at your house, like, there's nothing worse than an announcer that just will not say anything negative. Like, if the dude's playing terrible, you can say it. You know, you don't need to make it personal, but you, you can be critical. And, like, there are a couple things that I'm not just going to be good at. Like, you're not going to put me on a television screen and go, God, that guy looks like Jesse Palmer. That ain't going to be my strength, you know? I'm not the smartest guy in the room. You know, as someone that has to sell advertisements and stuff on, on my other podcasts, like, I, I'm relentless, I will email the shit out of you. You know, I, I'm a pretty good salesman. You know, I, I comes pretty naturally to me because I will bug you until you say yes. Uh, there are things that I'm not going to do well. Like I, I couldn't write a contract. I'm not smart enough. I, I'm just I'm not a great writer. Now I write for the athletic, but if it wasn't for the editing team, my articles wouldn't ever look that great because my vocabulary. I, I'm not some Harvard grad here. So the quicker you can figure out your strengths and weaknesses, and anyone listening, whatever you do, you know, you know, usually if you're a good negotiator, they're going to send you in to negotiate. If you're a good salesman, they're going to sell you to sell. If you're good at typing stuff up and, and drafting proposals, you'll probably be at the desk. You know, not, not everyone's meant to do certain roles. Other people, some people excel in some things. Some people run the deep route. Other guys are possession receivers. And the quickest thing you have to do as a coach is find your quarterback's strengths and weaknesses. The problem is, early on in a guy's career, like with Jared Goff, they've gone all in on a couple strengths, right? Play, action, pass. So to excel in play, action, pass, you have to be able to run the ball. So what happens when it's the Super Bowl and you can't run the ball? I got news for you. You're probably screwed. And Jared Goff, one of his weaknesses right now, because it doesn't exist, he's not going to go up to the line and change plays. That's McVay's job. And that's a problem. And that's back to what I was talking about in the first segment about Belichick. They were at such a huge disadvantage. Now that we know that Gurley was not going to be 100%, their quarterback can't change plays at the line. Their coach 
Like, I, everyone acted like McVay did a bad job. I think he was somewhat limited. There was only so much he could do. Now, you, you could say, well, they should have implemented some just wrinkles and some different plays over these two weeks. To me, that is very fair. That, that is very fair. But I think a lot of the limitations to it all start with Jared Goff. McVay starts at Goff, and then he kind of works backwards from there. So part of the reason you don't see a lot of exotic stuff from them is because they can't do it. Really, their exotic stuff as a team, right, is on special teams. They always do crazy-ass shit. Why? Because their punter has a great arm. Because their kicker can make, like, 80-yard kicks, right? That's where they excel, and they've run crazy fake punts or fake returns forever. They've been the masters at it because they got dynamic players there. Their quarterback right now is limited. So their coach is kind of limited. It's really remarkable they've been this good with a limited quarterback. Now Jared Goff, you know, McVay's got to get better, but he needs his quarterback to get better. He has to learn how to check plays in the line of scrimmage. He has to learn how to read defenses, and that usually takes time. I think it's almost unfair to think a third-year quarterback is going to be able to do that. But that, to me, has to be the off-season plan for Goff. He has to take a huge step there. Because the one thing I'll say for Jared Goff, is he is a tough guy. He is not afraid to get hit. You can hit him, and he'll come back the next play unfazed. Where he gets phased is when you're at his feet. You notice when anyone was at his feet yesterday, it threw him off, partly because he doesn't have a great arm. So if his feet aren't set, he can't really make throws. And for whatever reason yesterday, was he thinking too much? Was the environment too big? Maybe. I mean, it's only his second year having any success really in his life. I mean, it's three years at Cal. The first two years, they were god-awful. They didn't sniff a bowl. In the third year, they went 7-5, and five and they weren't very good either. So it's not like this guy's been playing high-level football for 10 years now. He's really been winning for the last 18 months, if we're really going to call it what it is. And really, 12 months, because they won last year. Yeah, 18, you know, 16 months. So it's a short period of time. But his arm limitations, like, he, throw, he can throw it far, but he doesn't throw it that hard. So if his feet aren't perfectly set, the ball is not going to be very accurate. If he's going to max out and be a really good player in this league. One, he's going to have to win with his head, because he doesn't have the physical attributes to just dominate you. He's going to have to figure out, and he did go to Cal. Now, he only stayed for three years, but I've met him a couple times. He's a sharp guy. He's going to have to learn to manipulate defenses, to look guys off, to see things at the beginning of pre-snap, and then post-snap see things. Right now, that's not what he's doing. And because his arm is probably never going to be great, he's got to be really accurate. Not just on play-action stuff where it's easy throws. On throws where it's four or five wide and they know you're going to throw. Because as you saw in that game, Belichick's the master at it. He's going to make you do things you're not comfortable at doing. And if you can do things that you're not comfortable at doing, then you can play with them, right? Then you can beat them. Jared Goff had no chance. I think the term is to make him play left-handed. He had no left hand. <laughs> I mean, hell, he barely had a right hand. But I, I, I think everyone's crushing McVay, and I'm not. he did not have a great game. But I think it's more on Jared Goff. Because they only wanted to do things he did well. And he only does so much really well. Now, when he gets in a rhythm against shitty defenses, he can light you up. But when he's playing a high-level defense that knew what was coming, he, he, he didn't have a curveball. He just had the one pitch. And then they started covering his guys, and he started getting covered sacks, and he's not athletic enough to make something out of nothing. So it was just over, right? If you can, even good players, like if nothing's there for Phillip Rivers or guys like that, they can't scramble, and that's one of the knocks. And here's the other thing. Because they were playing a bunch of zone defense, he's not a confident enough player, especially without Gurley, where he's just going to sit there and throw balls into windows. 
And especially the way the ball was coming out of his hands yesterday, he had no chance. So I think their big growth as a, as a twosome, really, is McVay and Goff. I mean, that's going to be the combination moving forward. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't love paying him huge money, but they're not going to have, they drafted him number one overall. He's not going anywhere. He just lost in the Super Bowl. He had a bad game. It's not, I'm not trying to overreact here. He's going to be around for a while. But they got to take a huge step this offseason to not rely so much on this green dot, to not rely so much on this collegiate, I got to tell you every play. I need you to take some ownership. I need you to take a huge step mentally. Like physically, you kind of are what you are. You're Matt Ryan-ish. So if we get some better pieces around you, get you a tight end, Gurley's going, you're fine. You have the physical, you have enough physical tools. I need you to take a huge step mentally. Take a huge jump. Same with Sean McVay. You need to become, and maybe he has this, he just hasn't implemented it because Goff didn't have this in the bag. You need to become more open-minded to doing more things. Because in the Super Bowl, you're going to get Belichick. And Belichick's seen it all and can do it all. You can't only run a couple plays. And he basically knows what's coming. You got no chance. So I, I think a lot of people are going in on McVay, and that's the nature of the Super Bowl. He's a super famous and the hype on him. But this offseason for Jared Goff to take a huge step above the neck, because physically he's not going to change that much. He's never going to be fast. He's never going to have a great arm. He, he's got to take a step mentally. And this, these next six or seven months are huge for him. Okay, let's, uh, let's dive into the Middlecoff mailbag. Uh, because it's about that time. You can always slide up into my DMs, at John Middlecoff. It's basically my handle for everything on social media, my name, just with an at symbol in front of it, Twitter, Insta, you name it. But I, I answer questions in this segment from Insta. So let's go. I've got two questions. One, how big of a game was this for Belichick's legacy? That seems like an insane thing to ask, given that he's already had five rings. But I think when people look back and see the Patriots shut down one of the league's top two offenses in the Super Bowl... He will get remembered for this one a lot more than Brady, given the defensive game and the fact that he was uh, was so much made of Sean McVay coming in. I'll dive into that here in a second. Two, how bizarre is the Todd Gurley story? Uh, do you buy, even for a second, he's actually healthy? If so, a bit of a black eye in McVay. Okay, let's start with the first one. I think because they're kind of tied in together. If Todd Gurley had been 100%, because I thought about... Whenever he got injured, when was that, like early November, uh, mid-November? I mean, he's been a shell of himself. As he said, he basically hasn't done much for the last two months. I would have given Belichick a ton of credit. Like, he's getting credit no matter what. But if Todd Gurley would have been 100% and this offense would have been humming coming into the game, you would have been like, damn, this is an all-time great Belichick performance. It still is, but it's not quite as great. Like, their first one ever against the greatest show on turf, he took out Marshall Falk who was in like the peak of his powers. You know, uh, a couple years ago, you know, I guess they made, I'd have to look back at the stats of Marshawn Lynch. You know, some of the games, you know, I guess against McNabb, Terrell Owens. Yeah, this this is probably their, I mean, clearly, they had three points in the Super Bowl. But I do think there's somewhat of an asterisk, I can't even say that word, asterisk, asterisk, by Todd Gurley's name just because, I mean, what the hell was going on? Are you injured? Are you healthy? Clearly, he's not healthy. But a couple runs in that game on just the outside zone when he cuts it back, you're like, God damn, it's Todd Gurley I know and love. But where was that guy? What was his deal? So, yeah, I think Belichick, I mean, Tom Brady's got six. So, any times you have six, you know, Super Bowls, you're in pretty good shape. But, yeah, I'd say Belichick is going to get a little more credit in this individual game. 
Okay, here's a question. Which one of these trade scenarios, I already like this question, is more likely? And which trade scenario would you accept accept if you're Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch? Trade with the Broncos. The Niners get 2019 first, 10th overall. 2019 second, 40 overall. 2019, God. Uh, third round, 70 overall. 2020 second round pick. The Broncos get 2019 number two overall pick. Yeah, that's not possible. Trade with the Raiders. I mean, obviously, I'd do that if I was the 49ers. Trade with the Raiders. Niners get uh, the Raiders first, fourth overall. 2019, first round, 24th overall. 2019, fifth round, 131st overall. The Raiders get second overall pick. I mean, I would do both those if I'm college. They're not getting, they're just not getting that much to go up. Yeah, it's just neither of those. Both the other teams are saying no. Uh, so if the 49ers decide to draft another defensive tackle like Quinn and Williams or Ed Oliver, do you see them trading Solomon Thomas or cutting Eric Armstrong since there is already so much redundancy on the roster with having a bunch of tweeners, defensive ends, and defensive tackles? Uh, well, I think you're kind of stuck with Armstead because you picked up his fifth-year option and he's always injured, so I'm sure he probably couldn't pass a physical you know, I think Solomon Thomas, who I'm not the biggest fan of, did show some signs of light at the end of the season. You know, they put him inside over guards, and he was much more productive. So I would say that Solomon Thomas, I mean, they just drafted him two years ago. I'm not a big Solomon Thomas guy. But, like, I'm okay with being wrong on that. You know, if he becomes a much better player, maybe where most guys take a huge step from their rookie to their sophomore year, not everyone's on that pace. Now, we expect it of really high draft picks, but some guys, he was super young. You know, he's only 23 years old. Maybe he takes a big step from his second to his third year. So I would say, unless they got a crazy deal, Solomon Thomas is going to be on the team, and no one's taking Eric Armstead's like $12 million salary. Again, fifth year option. Uh, he finished the season on injured reserve. I, I, I doubt you could cut him with him passing a physical. Question for the show Did Goff miss quite a few open receivers with poor reads? Also, I thought the crowd noise was underrated. Not sure there were many Rams fans there. not a lot of Rams fans there. I'd have to go. I haven't watched like the All-22 tape or even the game back. Uh, I just thought Goff was terrible. I I mean, I talked about it earlier in the show. It didn't look like as many people were open. But again, their offense is not, you know, they don't have Cooper Cup. They have really no tight ends. Gurley is MIA. They're a play-action throw-deep offense. And that that was just not going to happen against Belichick, whose defensive backs were so well-coached, who were so seasoned, I mean, Gilmore, while it's only a second season, he was in the Super Bowl last year, was an all-pro this season. McCourty's one of the great champions of the Belichick area. His other McCourty made arguably the play of the Super Bowl. They have an undrafted free agent that's playing pretty well on defense. Then obviously the two linebackers that are just really smart in Hightower and in Van Oy, that I I think they just threw Goff off. And Goff isn't good enough to get thrown off because he only has one pitch. You know, he, he can't audible at the line. He doesn't have a great arm. Uh, he's not a great athlete to get away. So, again, as I talked about earlier in the show, he's just got to get better. You know, he's he just got to get a lot better. So, I, I I would say that, you know, Goff wasn't necessarily missing. I don't think there were that many guys open. I mean, clearly some of the some of the pressures on Goff came because he would just sit in the pocket. He'd look, he'd look, he'd look, he'd see no one, and then the guy would come. It, it wasn't like pressure was in his face at the snap of the fingers. I think it was just simply Jared Goff wasn't ready for that game plan. 
And he, he shouldn't. I mean, it's Bill Belichick, greatest coach ever, the greatest defensive mind ever, the greatest game planner ever. He, he should have, you know, taken Goff and McVay to the shed. The right thing happened yesterday. Belichick should beat McVay and Goff in their first ever Super Bowl. Now, if they play again in two years, maybe it's a different story. But in 2019, when it's Bill Belichick against those two, then I think if you combine their age, Goff's like 24 or 25, McVay's 33, they don't even equal Belichick's age. I think if you combine their age, they're just a little over the amount of time that Belichick's been in the league. So I think at the end of the day, we shouldn't be that shocked that Goff was, you know, pretty rattled. Hey, John, is it time teams stop looking for the next McVay and start looking for the next Andy Reid? Not that McVay isn't a great coach, but Doug Peterson is clearly a tier higher. The Colts and the Bears have followed that higher and had success so far. I think it's all about the individual. I mean, some guys, some coaches are just better than others. To me, just because you're an assistant on McVay's staff does not mean you're good. And just because you're an assistant on Andy's staff doesn't mean you're good. But if you are Andy's right-hand man, it's proven over and over and over again. More than likely, you're going to be a good coach. Doug Peterson. Uh, obviously, Matt Nagy, Coach of the Year, shot out. You know, John Harbaugh, Ron Rivera, all these guys, Sean McDermott, played huge roles on his staffs over the last, you know, 20 years. With McVay, we just don't have the resume. Are these guys going to be good? I think the better resume would be like, should you go after Mike Shanahan, guys? Look at Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, you know? Maybe the move is look at Mike Shanahan, guys, not necessarily Sean McVay. Because they're all just running Mike Shanahan's offense. His kid, uh, like I said, Kubiak was a really good head coach. Maybe you should look there more than just Zach Taylor. Is he going to be a good coach? I don't know. He's 35 years old. The chances of him being good, to me, are slim to none. Let me uh, mailbag question. I'm banging these out. Mailbag question. Edelman, MVP, just won the with a great performance and possibly made the statement for Canton. How do you think, who do you think has a better chance of getting into the Hall of Fame, Edelman or Welker? Tough question. And this has kind of been a polarizing, you know, uh, segment of Twitter. Is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer? I think you pull up his stats page. He's had two or three really good years, and he's been unreal in the playoffs. I do put a lot of emphasis on his play in the playoffs. Here's what I know about Julian Edelman. If his career ended right now, I would view him as one thing and one thing only. A championship-level player. Now, when you get into the Hall of Fame, I think that incorporates a little bit of your career. You as an individual, not necessarily your team success or even how good you were in playoff situations. Like Larry Fitzgerald is probably, you know, I mean, Jerry Rice probably the best, but the best playoff receiver ever. And he's never going to have a championship. But his career, like the the total embodiment of it was so good that it's a no-brainer, right? You're like, Larry Fitzgerald is a Hall of Famer. Edelman, like Fitzgerald, is just dominated in the playoffs. I mean, it's just his best happens in the playoffs. I think he was a better playoff. I'd have to go and break the stats down. Like him versus Welker, if I had a playoff game tomorrow with Brady in their peak, I would take Edelman. Now, when you look at Welker's stats for like 10 straight years, they were pretty unreal. I think we forget just how good Welker was, and he was probably better start to finish of a season than Edelman. I'm biased, though. I love everything Julian stands for. I love how tough he is. Clearly how coachable he is. Let's Let's not forget... Like, Belichick liked Welker, but they butted heads. You know, Welker had a little bit more of an individual persona, I guess. Maybe that's the wrong way to put it. Just had his beliefs, and he wasn't afraid to say it, even if it was going to piss Bill off. Like, Bill and Jules are pretty tight. I, I mean, Julian Edelman got suspended this year, and it wasn't even really that big of a deal. 
Now, it was a big of a deal when you fail a steroid test or whatever. But it's not a big deal necessarily. Like, he wasn't doing anything bad that Bill cares about. And Bill just likes him. Bill's confident in him. Bill feels that he can just go to war with him. So I, I would say that Edelman, he's only 32 years old. If he could put together three or four more years and win another championship, he'll probably end up getting in. I, I would say if his career ended today, it would be really difficult. Hey, John, you said on the last podcast about Gruden possibly drafting a quarterback in the upcoming draft. Why don't the Raiders draft for need in this year's draft and focus on a quarterback next year, given the quality of quarterbacks who are coming out in the first couple of rounds? I agree. I would not take a quarterback high. Uh, I, I don't think it's crazy if Gruden, which he clearly is going to, you know, like a Trace McSorley, a Gardner Menchu, drafting in the fourth or fifth round. Because next year, if you're bad again, you can always choose to move on from Derek and draft a Trevor Lawrence or whoever if you're drafting high the following season. I guess Lawrence is still two years away. A Tua, you know, whoever. Whoever is the top quarterback, I don't, I don't think Tua is, but you, you know what I'm saying. Uh, I, I just think that you have to be in the mode of increasing your competition in the quarterback room. And Nathan Peterman and A.J. McCarron are just not going to get it done. Now, I would come back this season with Derek Carr. I would not trade him. I would play with him. I would try to nail some draft picks and be in position. But you do have to have a better backup quarterback than they have because right now their backup quarterback sucks. A.J. McCarron's terrible, and Nathan Peterman, you know, now it was hard, right? His team wasn't very good. Well, actually, they weren't terrible. It was one of the worst quarterbacks we've ever seen. Two years ago, they were a playoff team, right, the Bills. And the one game that almost knocked him out of the playoffs was a game that he played against the Chargers where he threw like five picks in the first half. And A.G. McCarron is just trash. So I, I just think that Gardner Menchu or Trace McShorley, a guy like that, if you're not going to go quarterback high and you're going to bring Derek back, just bring you know, bring in competition and bring in a guy that you can have for a while. Not necessarily be your starter, but just be a high-level competition. You know, the 49ers did it a couple years ago with C.J. Beathard. They took a guy in the third round. He's serviceable. And it turns out he ended up getting beat out by Nick Mullins. But when you draft a guy, third round is probably a little high. But in a first, second, or third round, you kind of got to force him to play him. When you draft a guy in the fourth or fifth, like Connor Cook, you're kind of easy to move on, you know, with. Hey, John, uh, lifelong Packer fan. After the LaFleur hire, the rest of the world learned what us Packers diehard had known for years. Mike, Mike Murphy's ego is the size of Lake Michigan. God, it is pretty big. And he installed Gudikins as his puppet director. I like where this uh, is going. Gudikins is sharp, but he's beta male. <laughs> God. Whereas Murphy is such a meathead. And it's clear to us now that he's overruling Gudikins on personnel and is killing the team. LaFleur isn't ready to coach the Wisconsin Badgers, let alone Rodgers and the Packers. Wisconsin Badgers are a sneaky, pretty big job. Do you see LaFleur and Rodgers' engagement leading to a marriage or a bloody divorce? We keep Jimmy Graham at $5 million for two TDs he caught in 18. He can't block, he's slower than shit, and his hands are bricks at this stage of his career. Am I crazy, or is the Packers offseason already in a death spiral? I hate the coach hire. Uh, now, I'm judging a lot off a press conference and what a guy did in a one-year situation when he was new to a franchise to be a coordinator. But he'd never been a coordinator before that, and it was terrible this year in Tennessee. It was really bad. Uh, his press conference clearly overmatched. Look nervous. Again, the Packers is one of the biggest jobs, not just in football, but in all of sports. I mean, it's one of the most high public profile jobs, probably in our country, right? You're the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. It's like being the coach of the Yankee or manager of the Yankees, coach of the Lakers. I mean, it's a big deal.
coach of the Steelers. Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't like the hire. I, I didn't know much about Murphy. You clearly kind of, if you follow the team day to day, you just like, I, I know a, a lot about the Niners and Raiders, their personalities inside the building fans. If you follow your team, you just have a good feel for that. And then I think the country, whenever you make a big move, like God, why won't this Murphy guy shut up? And like you said, his ego's huge. So will he let Gudikins make decisions? Here's the problem with a guy like Murphy is he played football. So he's going to think he has some knowledge of what works and what doesn't work. And then he was an AD and he's hired a coach. So he's, and it, the guy was, it was a home run hire, right? Pat Fitzgerald. So he thinks he knows what he's doing. You know, he's got a pretty good, in his mind, feel for how to operate. So are they in a death spiral? I would not say that because they still have one of the best players in the league at the most important position in Aaron Rodgers. Is their roster flawed? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, do they have a Belco running back? You know, I would say no. Their offensive line is good. Their quarterback's a star. Devontae's a star. Like you said, J- Jimmy's a shell of what he once was. Randall Cobb is surely going to be be gone. Number 83, uh, I can't even think of his name, but he's got three three names. He's a pretty good player. They always draft well. I do like some of their pieces on defense. You know, the rookie corner they had this year is really good. They got two first-round picks in this draft. Uh, they, they need to cut Clay, which I'm, I'm sure he's gone. They, their defense, actually, I didn't think when I watched them this season, played that poorly. But if the coach, if it turns out, like we all think just watching that press conference, he is over his head, they're in trouble. Like, who's to say? Now, Rodgers is probably so good that if you play 16 games, you know, it, it would be hard to win three or four games. You'd probably still end up at six or seven. But let's call it what it is. You win six or seven games next year, and Aaron Rodgers starts 16, that's going to be a major disappointment. Probably no new head coach when you look around the league. Brian Flores, Kingsbury, uh, Arians. You know, who am I missing here? I'm sure I'm missing a team. The Jets, uh, uh, Adam Gase. No coach is going to have the pressure quite like LaFleur is going to have in Green Bay because you got Aaron Rodgers. you got Aaron freaking Rodgers in the peak of his powers, making like $30 million a year. Fans... Uh, and just people around the league are going to expect you to win. Whether that's fair or not, whether there should be a transitional period, it's hard to have a transitional period when you go all in on an all-time quarterback. So I've said this before, I don't think it's that crazy. I do think this has potential to be one and done. If I had to go one, one and done from this group, 1,000, not counting like if a dude gets a DUI or something crazy happens, right? Not counting something like that. And you wouldn't even get fired for a DUI. But you know what I'm saying. Some crazy controversy where you had to fire the coach. Or a guy like leaves or something. I'm saying where the guy legitimately gets fired. Like Steve Wilkes did this year. One and done. Like Jim Tom Sula. One and done. It would be LaFleur. Because relative to the pressure. Now I don't think he's got to go like 2-14 and 14 to go one and done. I think he can go one and done like 5-11. and 11. Don't don't ever forget. And, and listen, I'm not saying LaFleur is Jim Tom Sula. But Jim Tom Sula would probably be the example of the laughingstock coach, right? Of a one and done. He did go five and eleven, but it was so bad and just such a joke, and the team looked so bad. Like to me, there's a huge eye test with this. That's what the Cardinals had. There was just this eye test, like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. And Wilkes is clearly smarter, can give a better press conference or whatever than Tom Sula. But what if LaFleur, let's just say he goes 5-11, and, and Rodgers playing all the games, the offense is terrible, the defense gets worse, and they're just awful. 
I, I, I truly believe, if I was a betting man right now, he would be the one. Now, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying that's going to happen because Rodgers could win the MVP and they could win 10 games and make the playoffs. But I, I also think it's got one-and-done potential, especially, like you said, Murphy's huge ego. Does Gudikins even have any power? Is LaFleur going to have any juice in the draft room? Are they going to force players on him? This has all the makings of sneaky disaster. Okay, uh, last question here on the Middlecoff Mailbag. Big fan since I've been found your podcast through Colin. Been consistently listening to your stuff. Appreciate it. I'm 25 years old. The Lions have not won a playoff game in my lifetime. Will we make it to an NFC Championship game in my life? That's a pretty good question. So you're 25. People live a little longer these days, so I'll give you 85. So you got 60 more years of life. The odds, the way the league is set up, you would think in the next 60 years, at least they'd win a playoff game. Because if you consistently suck, you're bound to get the number one overall pick, and just the odds would say you're bound to get a quarterback. You did have a quarterback, Matt Stafford, and you've, I think, made the playoffs three times in his career. And you you played in a tight game. I know the one year against the Cowboys, what was that, like four or five years ago, uh, when Sue was crying after the game. So, you know, you, you've come close. NFC Championship game. Feels a little bold. The one problem you have is the Packers. I, I would say why the odds are decent. The Packers have had such, I mean, like a 25-year run. So as I just, the question I just answered, what if they spiral and kind of fall off with under Murphy's leadership for the next five or six? Which is kind of hard to see because they got Rodgers. Let's just say after Aaron Rodgers leaves, they're not able to replace him, so they come back to earth. We don't know if Mitch Trubisky's good or not. The, the Vikings are kind of, you know, smoke and mirrors in the sense that the most important player on their team, I mean, on any team, is a quarterback. Is Cousins really that good? He's not bad, but he makes so much money. Are they going to be able to afford it? So they might come back to earth a little bit. I don't think it's that crazy. You know, when you took back during the Packers, the Bears, and the Vikings. Uh, the Bears probably be a little better consistently because I believe of the three coaches, I mean, Zimmer, how many more years are you going to coach? He's pretty old. Nagy's going to be there for a while. And Packers, like I said, I, I, I'm not very confident in what they got going. I, I, I do think there's a chance in the next 60 years you win a playoff game. I'll, I'll go out on a limb here. You will win a playoff game in the next 60 years. NFC Championship, now you'd say this. What are the odds that one year in the next 60 that the Lions get a home field bye? So that would mean they'd only have to win one game to get to the championship game. You'd say probably the next 60 years that happens one time. Uh, I, I would lean, I will lean right now, they will make a championship game in your lifetime. Now, it might not be until you're 60, so you might have to wait a while, but that's what makes sports fun. Uh, in all seriousness, I feel a little bad for you, because uh, I was always a Stafford guy, but I, I've been humbled a little bit. Humbled probably the lo- uh, wrong word. I've come to the realization that he just, you know, he, he's just not going to win playoff games with that guy. He's probably good enough, just good enough for you to lose and just good enough for you to have to pay. I mean, it's probably the worst situation you can be in in sports, but uh, you'll be fine. Just just keep swinging. You know, the Tigers have won you a World Series. You were young, so what was that, like 14 years? You were really young when the Pistons won a World's, uh, NBA championship. You know, Harbaugh might win you one, uh, so you'll be all right, you know. But it, I feel your pain, bro. I, I grew up on the Niners, so by the time I was 10, I'd already seen, like, multiple Super Bowls. So I'm probably a little bit of a spoiled, you know, football fan in my youth. But then watching the 49ers and Raiders throughout the 2000s 
as a uh, as a college student and then doing this in the media the last several years, I've come back to earth. Uh, but but again, I appreciate everyone listening. Keep your questions coming. Middlecoff Mailbag every week at John Middlecoff. Slide up in those DMs, and I'll answer your questions right here. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. We're going to keep pumping out two pods. Mainly, I just don't have that much to do, and I like talking football, so why not just talk into a mic? I'm going to talk anyway. Might as well press record. Uh, and I'll see you guys a little later this week. Peace. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.